Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You know, I got a rogue limb that's like being dangerous or whatever. That's going to affect me, the whole me. So we need to keep in check this body. And this isn't, again, I'm going to caution you. There's no spiritual gift of the police officer within the body of Christ. Okay, the, the sin sniffer, that guy, you know, like, let me, with the magnifying glass, you're going to find sin. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to find sin if you look for it. You'll find it. The Holy Spirit exclusively owns rights to conviction. Can you imagine if your hand suddenly turned on the rest of your body and started scratching at other body parts? You'd have to take swift action to protect the rest of your body and get that limb under control. It seems like a crazy scenario, but when we look at the church as a body, it's quite a common scenario to find one individual or group tearing down another. In today's message, Pastor James will encourage us to uplift and support each other and leave conviction and judgment to the Holy Spirit. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Leviticus chapter 20. We're going to cover 20, 21, and 22. And you're like, that's too much. No, it's not. And this is fun stuff. This is fun stuff. 20, chapter 20. Oh, it's, yeah, this is really good stuff. <laughs> no, it's just more of that stuff where you're like, why are we reading this? Is, does this even happen? And it was stated for a reason because this, the Lord is preparing his people to go into the promised land, okay? So it's his land. All the land belongs to God, number one, okay? If there's any dispute about any land on this planet, it all belongs to God, okay? There you go. That solves a bunch of issues. Uh, And he specifically designated this little bitty strip of land that connects one continent to another continent. It's about the size of New Jersey, and he gave that to these people that were descendants of Abraham, okay? Not Ishmael, but Isaac, all right? So that belongs to them. The land belongs to them. Now, within that little land, as God has rescued his people from Egypt, he is trying to get them to that land, the promised land. But until then, he has to go through, he's got to teach these guys. He needs to teach these, his people what it means to be a Yahweh follower, okay? Um, uh, what it means to be set apart, what it means to be distinct, because the people who occupy the land, Canaan, where they are headed, uh, are the stark opposite of what God wants. And he's given those people hundreds of years to repent, hundreds of years to repent. And they have not done that. How was he working in Canaan when the children of Israel were in Egypt and all that good stuff? I don't know. I don't know, but he says, I've given them this much time to repent. So obviously he was working in ways. And when you and I don't, don't know when he's working or how he's working, doesn't mean he's not working, okay? Because we're not God. We're not God. We don't see the whole picture. We don't know. We just got to trust him. And we really need, just need to show up and do our part, stay in our lane, okay? Children of Israel, God has them at the, the base of Mount Sinai, and he is instructing them through the book of Leviticus, 
this is who I am, this is who you will be. And it's not optional. And Leviticus, as, as many people, unfortunately, that stand in pulpits want to throw this book away uh, because we don't teach you Leviticus because Leviticus doesn't relate to us and all that. I say that's garbage. I say that's not true because there's this whole book about Leviticus. I took a college course on this book. It is all about start to finish holiness. And if we as Christians don't want to live holy lives, then we don't really get what following God is all about. And we need to go back to Leviticus. So chapter 20 is going to deal with some punishment for disobedience. So we're going to cruise right through this chapter, and it's going to go fast. Verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to the native Israelites and to the foreigners living in Israel. All right? So anybody who wants to stay there, you want to stay there, you want to be a part of the nation of Israel, and you are not Jewish, that's fine. But you have to live by these rules. That's how it goes, okay? So God is, and we've already covered that so many times, but that's, this is from God to Moses. It says, if any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Moloch, they must be put to death. The parents who offer their kids as a burnt sacrifice to Moloch, they must be, the parents must be put to death. You're like, that's kind of harsh. I think killing babies is kind of harsh, actually. I think, I think that's kind of harsh. Now, we've already covered some of this stuff as well, and Moloch and his, the history with that and you know, how those sacrifices and all that good stuff, but this was something that was going on. This is something that was happening. And it's not just isolated to this region of the world. Child, child sacrifice has been happening all over the world at all times, okay? When you decide to worship a false god, it will lead you down paths of just total depravity. And that's what you have here. So God lays down this law. God cares about children. He thinks that they should not be murdered. And so he says, if, you, if you're going to do this, then the, the people who, who perform this thing, they ought to be put to death. He says, the people of the community must stone them to death. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. Now, again, he is, he is speaking directly to his people, his people. And when you, when you do these horrendous acts kind of a thing, and he's just saying that you don't, you're not representing me. You're not representing me. Now, I do want to say this, because in the world in which we live, you got Roe versus Wade overturned and all the good stuff. Um, we was just at the Pregnancy Center board meeting this Monday, and good things are happening. Like, crazy things are happening at the Pregnancy Center here in Galveston. Salvations are happening. Just tremendous things are happening. Here's another cool thing that's happening. Individuals, ladies who have had abortions are finding healing there. And that needs to be said. That needs to be stated from the church, is that if you've had an abortion, we don't throw you away. Praise God that this isn't the rule today. Praise God that there's forgiveness and there's healing in Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And we need to communicate that as a church. Yes, we are not for abortion, but we are for the individuals who maybe have gone through the act. And we want to meet meet them where they're at and show them that there is love, there's forgiveness, there's grace upon grace upon grace in Jesus. There's hope. There's still hope. So I just want to state that. 
So concerning the community here in which uh, Moses is, he's over and he's, he's speaking to on behalf of God here, uh, he's, he's throwing us down. Don't, don't bring shame onto God's holy name. That, and that term is going to come up quite often uh, by offering your children to Molech. Verse four, and if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them and their families and will cut them off from the community. This will happen to all who commit spiritual prostitution by worshiping Molech. So it's not even just a child sacrifice. He's like, you are, being, you are having an affair on me. And God says, if you guys won't deal with it, I'll deal with it. That's pretty serious. If you guys want to turn your, turn your eyes, blind eye to this or to that, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. He's leaving it up to the community to handle community business. You see somebody doing something wrong. We saw this in Leviticus 19. If your neighbor's doing something that is harmful to either themselves or to you, you, in a display of love, loving your neighbor, ought to come alongside them and say, hey, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's not good. That's sinful. That's, that's part of loving your neighbor. We, we covered that. We covered that in Mark, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. That's, Jesus quoted that from Leviticus 19. If your neighbors are sacrificing their kids to Molech, you have the responsibility to come alongside them and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. What's well, not my business? I don't want to be, no, this is accountability. And I'll say it again. I'll say it a thousand times. When you became part of the body of Christ, you said yes to accountability. You said yes to it. Hold me accountable. Now, you may not have been thinking that when you got saved or anything like that, but I'm just letting you know right now, that was part of the application that you filled out. Please keep me accountable. I don't remember that. It was in the fine print. And you got to go back to your Bible and read that. But that's what we do. Why? Because your sin affects me. My sin affects you. Because we're one body. And if there's something going on with my one body, you know, I got a rogue limb that's like being dangerous or whatever, that's going to affect me, the whole me. So we need to keep in check this body. And this isn't, again, I'm going to caution you. There's no spiritual gift of the police officer within the body of Christ, okay? The, the sin sniffer, that guy, you know, like, let me, with the magnifying glass, you're going to find sin. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to find sin if you look for it. You'll find it. The Holy Spirit exclusively owns rights to conviction. Now, he may use you. There's a story of David where a prophet came alongside him and said, hey, you're living in sin. And that was, and the, the Lord used that story. And he uses that in the church today. But please note, within that story, prophet Nathan, right? He wasn't like, let me go searching around and digging through David's garbage to figure out what I can find here. He was just a prophet, and the Lord spoke to him and says, you need to go talk to David. And he did that. And there's that accountability. So just clarifying some of this stuff, because oftentimes we get so gung-ho and like, I'm just going to just, I know somebody's sinning, so I'm going to find out. Well, no, just pray. Just, pl- just pray. If you keep reading through the Bible, you'll come across this cool story in Joshua where an individual decided to sin against God, and it brought destruction on the whole people of God. And then what did they do? How did they find out who it was? They prayed. 
they prayed. Okay? They didn't go kicking down everybody's tent door. They prayed and said, okay, God, if there's sin in the camp, then who, who is it? So, anyways, we're just stating some of that stuff, just, just so we know. There's got to be accountability, but they're also they're with truth. There's love, and the two have to be harmonious. They have to go together, truth and love. Now, verse 6, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by uh, putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead, okay? I will cut them off from the community. So set yourself apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. That's a phrase that will be repeated several times throughout these next couple of chapters. So anybody going to like uh, consulting mediums and, you know, uh, fortune tellers and all that stuff, God says, don't do that. Just don't do that. But if they read the lines on my palm, they'll tell me how long I'm going to live. And God's like, if you, seriously, he's like, I got oceanfront property in Arizona if you want that too, right? Like, you actually believe those guys? Like, no, they don't know by your hand how, what the length of your lifespan's going to be. They just know what to tell you so that they get their money from you, get money from you. So don't call any numbers. Don't go to anybody. Don't go to a psychic. Don't waste your money or your time. But isn't there some real stuff? If there's real stuff behind that, it's demonic, all right? I'm going to tell you that right now. So you don't want to mess with it, okay? So just stay away. And for the people of Israel, he's like, stay away from that. King Saul did not obey this. He went to the medium, and she conjured up Samuel. She literally conjured up Samuel. That really happened in your Bible. That was a real deal. That was really Samuel. And he's like, why are you bugging me? He's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, no, what are you doing? And he's like, I just, I need you. He was so far gone, so far gone. He, he's blatantly disobeying the word of God and it just stay away from that stuff. Just stay away. Um, spiritist and, you know, all those, all that. He's like, just mediums and, and all that. Just stay away. Why? Because God is holy and you ought to be holy. Verse eight, keep all my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. So th- this is the whole key. So keep yourself apart, set yourself apart, sanctified. Why? Because God is holy. And then God says, put into practice what I tell you. Well, why should we do that? Because you're holy, because you have been sanctified. First Corinthians, the apostle Paul wrote to the church and he addressed them as this, those who, are, who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. You have been sanctified. You're not trying to be sanctified. In Christ, you are set apart, okay? So this isn't something you achieve. This isn't something you're trying to do. This is not something that you are trying to accomplish your hardest. And I just got to be sanctified. I got to be set apart. I got to be set. You are set apart. You need to realize your position in Christ. And as a person who, because of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, you have been sanctified, you have been set apart. Now you need to live that way. That's what Paul told this messed up church in Corinth. Those guys had it all wrong. They were, that was, man, you talk about a church not, you're not wanting to join. It's that one. Some of the stuff we're going to read in here happened, was happening in that church. But Paul addressed them as those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. If you behave, No you have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
embrace that truth, embrace that reality, and live that way. Just the same thing. That's why Leviticus, this is a beautiful book. And here's God's like, I'm holy. You be holy. You're set apart. Live like you're set apart. It's, it's amazing. We don't need to skip past this book. This is a great book. And it's got weird stuff in it. But I mean, it's, it's a cool book. It goes on to say, verse uh, 9, anyone who dishonors father or mother or curses their father or mother, I'm not sure what your translation says there, uh, must be put to death. Well, that's a harsh penalty. Um, how have any of us made it so far, right? By the grace of God, right? <laughs> that's by the grace of God. What does it mean to curse your mother and father? It is the opposite of honoring them. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're pronouncing a curse on them, although that would be dishonoring to them but it means that you are not showing them the honor that they are deserving of. You're not loving your mom and your father like you should. You're not honoring them. You're not respecting them like they should. And for, for a child who is dis, you know, really kind of displaying that type of rebellious act, God is letting them know, deal with them harshly and quickly before it becomes a bigger problem. You're like, you got to kill them? This seems harsh. I don't... You can read through your Bibles, and, and I'm not saying this hasn't happened, but there's no accounts of this ever happening. A parent taking the kid out, like, take him outside the city limits, stone him to death. We don't have any record of that at all. I think what we tend to, to miss the point here is God has established these rules, and he expects us to obey them and honor them. And, and in one sense, how we treat our parents is often could be a, a, a reflection of how we view God. Again, no respect, no, none of that for my mom and my dad. Well, then, well, how's your relationship with God? And I, and I can tell you this, we've kind of hinted at this towards our, our kids as they're getting older, and especially with my daughters, when whoever this knucklehead will be that tries to come into my daughter's life and steal her away from me, which is not going to happen, um, I, we always, I let her know, look how he treats his mom, because that's how he'll treat you, okay? If he's a jerk to his mom, run away. Don't have anything to do with him, because he'll be a jerk to you. If he has no, re- no respect for his mom, be cautious of that, because that's a reflection. You, we should honor, this is something that, like, I, I honor my mom. It's easy for me to honor my mom. That was easy, because she raised us, single parent, tons of respect for my mom. She had the hardest job ever, raising all four of us, us kids, bad kids, um, raising us, and now we're all walking with the Lord, which is incredible in and of itself. But that was easy. Honoring my dad was not easy. But you know what? There's no loophole. There's no loophole. And my pastor from Amarillo, he, he nailed me on this one day. He says, James, you still need to honor your dad. He says, the Bible still says to honor your dad. I'm like, yeah, but. He's like, no, no yeah buts. No. He's like, that's what the word says. And he understood what that meant because that was a difficult thing for him. And he understood where I was coming from and the past hurts and the pains and all that stuff. And he's like, the Bible doesn't give us a way out. And so that was a difficult one for me. It was a difficult one for me. I'm still working on that. My dad has now since passed away two years now and you know, I won't have that opportunity to make amends or anything like that, but I've, the Lord has given me ways to honor him in just, just various other ways. This is an important one. 
And God's like, take this thing seriously. Take this whole family thing seriously. Verse 11, if a man violates his father, here you go. Here's where the fun begins. All right, here, uh, if a man violates his father by a New Living Translation, having sex with one of his father's wives, multiple wives, why are you even doing that? Um, both the man and the woman must be put to death. Okay, that's good. Um, for they are guilty of a capital offense. Yeah. Oh, I, I missed one. I think my wife, although I'm not dyslexic, she gave me a zero one. It's, is it 10, verse 10? Okay, so maybe I am dyslexic. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't miss that one. I, she's, my, she's my one. So like I miss verses all the time. So I'm like, you got to do something to get my attention. And holding up the numbers in the wrong order. That did it. Um, my brain's like, I think it's, no, it's okay. Um, if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, oh yeah, we don't want to skip this one. Uh, both the man and the woman have committed adultery, must be put to death. Wow, that's pretty uh, harsh penalty. All right. So again, God's saying, I take relationships seriously. So you should too. The family unit, seriously. So you should too. The next verse that I read, the eleven having sex with one of his father's wives. Don't do that. Okay, don't, be, don't, be, don't have multiple wives. Number one, don't do that. Um, but we see these things broken, and it's not even that, that technically that long after this, with David and David's own family. Absalom did this publicly on the roof. Like, hey, get one of my father's wives. Um, and he, he had sex with one of his father's wives out in the open so everybody could see this. Crazy. Don't do that. It's bad. Uh, bad idea. Verse 12, because I can count. Uh, if a man has sex with his daughter-in-law, why? Uh, both must be put to death. They have committed a perverse act, yes, and are guilty of a capital offense. If a man practices, oh no, here, this will get us in trouble, practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act, they must be put to death, for they are guilty of a capital offense. Nobody wants you to read that verse today. And well, in fact, there are some liberal theologians that would say, actually, that's not what's saying what you think it's saying. Actually, the Bible is, actually, is for homosexuality. They will tell you this. You can, you can go on YouTube right now. You'll see thousands of videos telling you of theologians who would say, James is wrong, we're right. And here's how he's misinterpreted this passage of Scripture and all these other guys have misinterpreted this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to go into those details because I'm going to tell you this. Uh, what it's talking about in the Hebrew is two dudes coming together and having sex. And the Bible says that's not good. It's sin. It's sin. And I know we don't want to talk. I know this is going to become less and less acceptable and this, you know, you certainly can't live stream this stuff. And if you're in Canada, they can even arrest you and put you in prison for saying this stuff. It's what the word says. And the word says this for a reason, for a reason. It's not because the Bible hates people or certain people, but it's saying you can't do these things because this is not honoring to God, nor is it honoring to the family dynamic that God has created. This is not natural. Despite what other people may be saying, this is unnatural. We've gone through years and years of trying to, of hearing studies of like, no, this is just, this is natural. This is, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, it, but it's not. And let me read to you from Romans chapter one. This helps bring clarity. Okay. Again, another passage of scripture that don't read that one. This, this will get you in trouble. I don't, this is what the word says. Hopeless, hopeless, 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.